Welcome inside the Glory Road podcast. Over the quarantine, I decided to dip a little bit into sports reading and stumbled upon Yaron Wietzman's Tanking to the Top, the new book about the Philadelphia 76ers written by a Bleacher Report senior writer. Obviously, we all know the amount of losing the Sixers went through to get Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, multiple other first-round picks, and the chance to compete for titles. That spurred an interest in the 76ers for me. Very excited to watch them play in the bubble. I think they have a lot of interesting players. Head coach Brett Brown began to take an interest in Nick Nose, a TikToker that comes up with great updates and more, but I noticed Nick's fandom for the Sixers. We connected. I learned not only is he a big Sixers fan, but he's a relative in the sports industry and a season ticket holder for the Sixers. So we decided to uh, dive into one of the most interesting bubble teams in the NBA right now, their stars, their past history, and more. Really a great listen, so welcome inside the Glory Road Podcast. Welcome inside the Glory Road Podcast. Billy Beebe back with you again for another episode as we are about a week away from the NBA bubble returning. We're back to basketball. Uh, You may have already checked in with our Rocket Men Part 2 podcast. If you haven't, give that a look. We talked about Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwight Howard, three former members of the Rockets. Matt Beck joined me to talk about those three guys. They're three teams that are headed to the bubble. But today, we got Nick Nose, Nick Crail in connection with us. Congrats, buddy. Just hit 200K on TikTok, so that's obviously a big honor. I wanted you to talk a little bit about the Sixers. That's why I have you on today as you got your Sixer gear on. They're a contender. I don't doubt it. I'm putting them up there with the top five teams, and um, we'll jump into that. But first off, kind of how I met Nick, I he, he landed on my For You page, man. Just good sports updates. They were like quick little summer, summer 30, summer 60, but a lot of time you kept them right at 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Uh, just little updates, fun little stories. Interesting things. I'd say I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, obviously a guy that's followed it. So I knew a lot of them, but there were some that, you know, I thought were interesting. And then obviously the editing is great. The graphics are great. So congrats to you, man. Uh, we were just talking about it, but tell me a little bit about how you got into these <clears throat> updates and, you know, we'll have your at and all that up there, but you know, you got good little updates going and I think they're mainly really interesting stories and it's not just basketball. It's all over the place and nothing gets left behind. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. And uh, props on my last name. You're one of the, the few that, that get it correct, right on the dot. You got it there perfectly. So, um, so yeah, so what I mainly try to do in my videos, at least what I had been doing, you know, when sports weren't around, you know, thankfully they're coming back very, very soon, is that uh, I try to keep um, people updated with what's going on in sports and also tell um, little short stories that somebody may have not known before in the past. That's sort of my... Um, like um, I, I, when I when I try to think of a video to create and I do my research, I try to find the most interesting stories or facts possible. You know, something where you might say, you know, I've actually never heard that before, or that's you know, that's just really interesting. How I sort of started was that uh, I saw TikTok was sort of on the rise. You know, I tried starting an Instagram page years ago, like a Philly fans for a sports page on Instagram. Didn't go too well. It's really really difficult to connect with a whole bunch of different people on Instagram. It's very difficult to reach people unless you're paying for sponsored posts and things like that. So I got maybe 500 followers in four months, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's a nice start, but it was nowhere where I wanted to be. And uh, I've never created videos before. I've never edited a video in my life, never filmed myself, you know, talking or things like that. I was very hesitant to do it in the first place. 
but I saw an opportunity. I saw not many people were doing what I wanted to do. So I just sort of started out a, a few months ago, you know, right when sports were sort of uh, whirlwinding their way down and were going away. And um, it, it's, I'm not going to say it's sort of taken off, but, you know, um, I think I'm just over 200,000 followers. I'm starting to talk with different brands and companies about different sponsorships, promotions, things like that. So that's mainly my goal, but it really started out just uh, for fun to see how, if people would even enjoy it. You definitely have taken off. I think you're at that point now where you've taken off because I was talking to Nick before and uh, he was at 125 when I asked him to come on the pod and he's now at 217, 217. <laughs> so about a week and a half, you almost gained another 100,000. It was a crazy last week. And, you know, uh, you can't do that on, on Instagram. You know, um, that, that's why I love TikTok so much. It's because it lets you connect with so many people pretty easily. You know, it's, I'm not going to say it's been super easy to do it because it's not. It does take a lot of work and you do have to be consistent. You know, I work probably on my video. I worked every day, I think, besides my birthday, the past half a year. You know, I was like my little day off for myself. And I'm spending maybe three to six hours per day, which is, you know, it's it's a good day of work, you know, making right. the videos, editing and researching and things like that. So it is consistent. You just have to stay with it and not stop after the first month because the first month is going to be brutal and rough. I remember when I had just 10 videos in a row where nobody was watching, no likes. And, you know, you sort of question if you want to keep going, but you do it, you know, you adapt. As you do it, you get better, you know, so... Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Now that sports are coming back, this is this is this is where it's going to get really fun. Definitely, and I think uh, pretty soon we'll probably see a bang energy can sitting behind you <laughs> in one of these bad boys. Oh, uh, a little little uh, spoiler alert! I will have um, a drink in a future video. I don't know if it'll be bang, but look out for it because I will be talking about uh, a drink that I think is super cool. And, you know, it's, it's connected to a really famous former NFL player and I'm excited, you know, so look out for that in the future. Absolutely. Congrats, man. I, that's definitely a big deal. And I pride myself on, on really consuming good sports content, good stuff. I'm not going to waste my time on the legend of Allen Iverson, this game that no, like this, these are good <laughs> quick videos, you know, they're filled with good highlights you know, the clips you pick, the voiceovers, all that I think is kind of mixed really well. So I can appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Hey, let's jump to basketball. Okay. So yeah. I'm a Cavs fan. Um, okay. So I'm out bubble. I'm out on the bubble. <laughs> My team's out. Uh, so this is the book I mentioned to you and I would definitely recommend to any NBA fans right now. It's tanking to the top by your own Wheatsman, who is the uh, lead writer for bleacher report for the Sixers. So he's the first guy to get a book out on the Sixers, right? The rebuild, the process. Philly fans have adopted it, really taken to it. Um, it's not just Joel, and it's become to the point that people think Joel Embiid is the process. I'm going to start by saying I have adopted Philly as my team for the bubble. Uh, I've become super interested in these guys. I think the six-year, I think it's at rebuild, is incredible. I think it describes – in a lot of ways where the Cavs are at right now in a couple of ways, I think the Cavs are not quite as dedicated to completely tanking as the Sixers were at one point. So let's start here. Okay. I fully believe that Philly had its best team. And I know you guys have two really great players and you're going to do great in the future with these, those two guys, your best team 
absolutely was last year. I thought Philadelphia had the best team that they could have put together. I really like Jimmy Butler. I thought he fit well. I thought J.J. Redick was the first veteran piece that they added to try and stabilize those guys. I think you did deal Markel Fultz at the deadline, but they were still trying to find a way to fit him in. Give me your thoughts on last year's team that unfortunately fell to the hands of Kawhi and the Raptors. Oh, man, you had to bring that up, huh? <laughs> no. How do you not, so, man? Come on. Uh, yeah, no. Actually, just being a huge basketball fan, you know, it sucks that it was against the Sixers, but I appreciate it. It was a historic shot. You know, it'll go down in history forever as one of the greatest shots in basketball history. So I appreciate that. You know, uh, it sucks it was, it was against my Sixers, and I got to watch them in that highlight. But it was just an awesome moment, you know, especially for Toronto. But uh, I'll also start out by saying that I like the Cavs a lot in the future. I like um, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and I think Kevin Porter Jr., I believe yeah, he, he is. Nice so I, yeah, I think they're, um, they're a nice core going forward, you know. So I think they have a bright future. Now, when it comes to the Sixers last season, you know, um, be- believe it or not, my buddy and I, we've had season tickets since 2015, when the process started. Everybody, you know, they were taking their shots at it. My, my buddy and I saw it as an opportunity to get tickets on the low and to eventually resell them at a later point for, for more money. So in the past couple of seasons, I've been going to games for free, essentially, right. for selling games that we didn't want to go to. That's it. We've, I've seen Seth Curry plenty of times. I've seen LeBron. So if someone wants to hand me a fistful of cash to, to watch them, you know, I'll listen to them. You know, so we bought into the process. Now, when it comes to last season, um, I think I, I do agree with you that last season was probably our best shot because we had Jimmy Butler. Now, in regards to the trade, I wasn't – I wasn't a huge proponent of trading for Jimmy Butler. You know, um, obviously, I, I loved that he was on the team, and I loved the, the energy he brought and his leadership and, and things like that. But if they were to, to not trade for him, I would have been okay with that too. But you just can't deny the package they gave for him was just awesome. Man. It sucks that we gave up Covington now that the Sixers are also trying to get him back. But I believe it was a package of Covington <clears> – <throat> excuse me uh, – Dario Saric and maybe a few picks. So for Jimmy Butler, I'll take that, you know, for sure. And the first couple games, he lit it up. And you really were wondering if we have a real shot to to get to the finals. And we did, you know, without that Kawhi shot, if that goes into overtime, who knows what kind of conversations we'd be having. So I think last year was our our best uh, shot to win. Um, I didn't – I wasn't surprised that Jimmy Butler left. I was a little surprised he went to the Heat. I did say, and I, I take it back, that he left to, for the money and don't, doesn't want to win, which honestly the Heat have a great team now, and I think they might get a free agent or two in the future. So so he proved me wrong there. Uh, but in regards to this season, it's been a tough season. Now, um, the team hasn't obviously been able to gel together. Al Horford, I, I don't know what the issue was and, and where it, it went wrong, but right. I do believe that Brett Brown – I'm not sure if he was using him correctly. I never thought he should have been next to Joel Embiid, especially since he never played the four in his entire career. And he's been an all-star his entire career. He won a college championship. He's super consistent. You know, um, and then another person will say, well, why would you pay that much for somebody coming off the bench? Sure. But when you, have a, when you have a big man with Embiid, with his injury pass, and he's so effective in his minutes that he does play, you know, if you can limit his minutes by four or five a game, putting out Horford, you know, when Embiid's out and occasionally next to him, depending on the other team and their strategy. That's what I would have liked to see. Um, injuries have been a big concern, but the biggest thing for me 
has been Ben Simmons. I've been a critic of Ben Simmons, but a critic because I think he can be the best player in the NBA. Um, I'm excluding LeBron because LeBron is the best player <laughs> until he retires. But Ben Simmons has what it takes, in my opinion, to be the best player in the NBA. But for the third straight season, we're just not seeing the jumpers. And everybody's pointing to it. It's obvious. It's, it's glaring. Everybody's saying it. He knows it. And I'm not saying he needs to step up, you know, from the three-point line and jack up threes, you know. But, but if he starts to attempt some jumpers, nail a couple jumpers, three here or there, that'll open up everything. And, and that'll get Embiid back into the paint where he belongs. I don't like Embiid shooting eight threes on eight consecutive possessions. Right. So I think that, that's the key. It's Ben Simmons. And once he does that, I think everything else will open up. Yeah, we'll jump to uh, the Simmons and Bede and kind of what they're walking into. I, a lot of my fascination is with last year because I, I really like the team they had put together. And I agree with you, looking back now, especially after uh, he walks away and you get Josh Richardson back, um, but Jimmy leaves and you give away Sarich and Covington, who are big pieces of the process, like it or not, uh, Covington undrafted, and then Sarich, part of the Sam Hinkie wheel and deal, you know, got him. And then you waited two years for him to come from overseas. And then I guess, you know, in a way they fit and then in a way they're good trade pieces. So let's go back. So you talked about tough, tough, tough loss. Really felt like they might've given the Bucks hell. They might've really gone at the Warriors maybe if they could have gotten that far. So the day after the title, okay, I'll take you to the next day. You're the Sixers. You have the rest of the off season. You had a chance to redo the whole thing, the rest of the off season. I'll start with um, the first thing that they do, okay? Uh, Matisse Thibel. They use their pick on Matisse Thibel, who is a really good off-ball defender, but that is about all he does for you guys, I feel like, is just a little bit of defense here and there. Are you still going to draft Matisse Thibel, or would you like – I mean, now that you've leaned on Shake, would you like a a better shooter? Would you like something else? Are you taking Matisse Thibel? If we're uh, if we're redoing the offseason starting the day after the shot, would I draft Matisse Thibel? Uh, depends on who else is on the board, but absolutely, I love Matisse Thibel. He's still super super young, and he's a rookie. He, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he has the, his defense. He's got the potential to be one of the best defensive players in the league, and it's not a fluke. That's that's what he was in college at Washington. Ben right. Simmons said that he hates going against Matisse Thibel in practice. And he's not even a big guy. He's just one of those pesky guys. Right. And I think he – I think just for Matisse, his, his personal brand, he is – in this bubble, he is gaining a lot of notoriety. He was on Good Morning America. His vlog is really good. Yeah. He's, he's just an awesome personality. He's a, he's a great kid. And I would uh, – I'm super glad that he's on the team. You know, he surprises me you know, with a three-point corner shot every now and then. But if he can develop into his full potential, into one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, I don't know if he'll ever have that reliable three-point jump shot. I don't know if he'll ever be that scorer. But if he he could be one of those lockdown defenders, you know, I'm I'm not in any way comparing him to Andre Iguodala, but Andre Iguodala's role in the Warriors was lock up their best player, uh, hit a shot here and there. Iguodala was on Team USA. I'm not comparing him to that. But if he can be in that that role for the Sixers, that's what we wanted Zaire Smith to be. And I I deleted my Twitter years ago, but I remember I tweeted before the draft, the Sixers need to secure Michael Bridges. They have to, the kid from Villanova. 
Right. And they traded him for Zaire Smith, and now that's looking like a dud. But yeah. I think they made a sense that Zaire Smith won't be that guy and they're sort of replacing Thibault with him. Yeah, uh, that was kind of a footnote in the book as something goofy the Sixers did was draft uh, Michael Bridges, whose mom works for the Sixers. Yeah. And it was really <laughs> a cool story, and then they end up trading him. And uh, I noticed in the list of transactions, Zaire Smith, who I thought you guys were really trying to turn into Shamit Part 2, uh, he got sent down to the G, uh, G League, so kind of a, a yeah. tough stint there. So um, you like Thibault, that's good. I think I agree. It's just nice to have a young guy that's dedicated to defense and then everything else is an upside. So um, he's right. kind of a weapon for you guys. I'll go to Jimmy. So I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. I believe in uh, both his work ethic because he did come from – he was, I believe, the last pick in the first round by the Bulls, and he's mm-hmm. turned into truly something special. Um, you know, he was part of some Chicago playoff teams. Minnesota only made the playoffs when he was on their team. Um, I don't believe the stories completely of what happened in Minnesota that day, that whole practice. I, 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 whatever (laughs) happened, happened, but I don't think it was as dramatic as, uh, people say it was. And then, um, Philly was very interesting because he was in his prime when I still think. Embiid and Simmons were still kind of getting their feet wet with being both stars and winners. And I think Jimmy had a taste for that already, which I thought was good for the team. And he did well. He, he ended up, um, if you read the book, he, in that last set versus the Raptors, everything's running through Jimmy. Jimmy's the ball handler. He's screening. He's moving. He hits the layup uh, that I believe yeah, tied it. Did. did it tie it or he give did. him the lead? He tied it. I, uh, I'm not sure if he stole the ball. But he he scored the layup with whatever how many seconds were left on the clock before Kawhi hit the shot. Yeah, so I mean Jimmy became such a big part of what the Sixers were doing. No discredit to Ben, no discredit to Joel, but I mean Jimmy's right there. On the JJ Reddick podcast, he claimed it was because they said he was tough. Somebody had said he was tough to handle. Did they think they could handle him in the future? And he was offended by that. And then the second claim is, like you said, he wants to win. Right. He, and whatever Miami, you know, they've come alive, but I don't think he knew they could do what they've done. Mm-hmm. And then third, he really goes into the Dwayne Wade thing, how they treat Dwayne Wade. You know, they love Dwayne Wade. I saw that retirement. It's like, dude, you were in Philly where they love AI and AI's courtside mm-hmm. and he's at all these games and people still love him. And his best appearance was one finals. Like if you're going to speak to uh, the, the kind of the part of it, um, then Philly is the place to be. But, uh, Nick, I mean, contract, it seemed like they were going to offer him. And I've heard they offered him, but they wouldn't offer him the five-year max. They offered him four and something else. Were you a little bit surprised? Did you think this was ridiculous? I mean, that they weren't bringing this guy that, if you think about it, was taking your game-winning shots um, at the end of the conference finals. Yeah, I I was surprised. I thought for sure they were going to to offer him maybe not what he had but it, it enough to secure him so that he doesn't go elsewhere and I think that's one of the main reasons why the Sixers have struggled this season is because they they can run the offense through um now when it comes to Joel Embiid I think he's the obvious candidate but then it, it sort of circles back to, to Ben Simmons and who's going to shoot that last shot on the final drive you know who's going to do the things that Jimmy Butler was doing last season yeah so that's why I was surprised that he really didn't want to stay. But 
on the other hand, I'm not surprised because it speaks to the Sixers front office and just the shit show it's been the past couple seasons. Right. You know, Sam, Sam Hickey was forced out, Brian Colangelo. But the front office is just sort of like notorious for, for not handling their players well. You know, um, they also sort of, I don't know if they had to apologize recently that they said they want to cut the salaries of either the players or the front office staff. They had to come out and say, you know, we're sorry, you know, we're not going to do that. So I think a lot of it has to do with the front office and just not seeing eye to eye with Jimmy Butler or his his long-term vision. Um, I, I was surprised that they did not offer him the contract. And like, like you said, Billy, uh, I don't even know if Jimmy Butler would say that he expected the Heat to be as good as they were this year. You yeah. know, the evolution of Bam Adebayo is just insane. Tower Hero, it's been a stud. Kendrick Nunn, you know, uh, but outside of that, you know, if I'm missing anybody, it's a very nice team. But did I expect them to be above the Sixers? No, I did not expect that at all. Uh, so same question with Matisse. Uh, would you have gone back? Would you sit down with Jimmy and just say, hey, man, whatever it takes, we got to get you back. Whatever you need, whatever makes you happy. No, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't oh. just because uh, I wouldn't do that just because, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't a huge proponent of – trading for him in the first place. Obviously I'll take him because he's a great talent, but you know, I think, I think it's going to be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid's team. And I'm not sure if that would stunt the growth of Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler taking the last shots. Cause I want that to be Ben. That's how highly I think of him. And I want the keys in his hand, live or die. You know, I, I, we can either go to heaven or hell with Ben Simmons, you know, at the realm. That's, that's how highly I believe in him. So I, I really don't want that overshadowed by, by Jimmy Butler. It may be a selfish, you know, uh, decision or choice. You guys who think the alpha on the struggle. And we all know Jimmy Butler, he's not going to give up that role. So I think that was also internally something that, you know, he wanted to do, go to Miami, be the guy, no competition. You know, he doesn't have to compete with Ben. It sounds more like Ben Simmons because I, I know Butler and Embiid were sort of cool and they were friends. So, again, I think it would have been a power struggle on whose team it would be. So I, I, I wouldn't sit him down and say whatever it takes I would because there's too much talent outside of Jimmy Butler on this team. Yeah, that was another thing the book kept mentioning is Jimmy kept saying, saying that he would go out of his way to say, this is Joel's team and I'm just here. He wouldn't say anything about Ben. He wouldn't say it's Ben's team. He, would just, he kept uh, putting emphasis on Embiid. Um, let's go to the next thing real quick. You guys trade for Tobias Harris, and I think hmm. that was another interesting thing because after you trade for Tobias, you already had Jimmy, um, which as a Sixers fan, that's going to be really exciting to get two gigantic trades in the span of three months maybe, two months just before the deadline. And then I remember specifically everyone, Woj, Bleacher Report, Shams, all these people are saying the front office of the Sixers has permission to lock these four guys up for the rest of – whatever, whatever they have to give them, four years, five years. Mm -hmm. uh, that broke down quick. Obviously, Jimmy's not coming back. But uh, in your opinion, who hasn't performed as well as you guys have hoped but still adds a whole new element to your team, would you have given Tobias Harris the long-term deal? He got, he got a crap load of money, and he's still young. He's, he, he's not, you know, 20. I think he's 26, which is – it's still considered young in the NBA. I don't know if it's even considered prime age. He's been in the NBA for such a long time. Yeah, that's Tobias, Tobias Harris. So he's the guy where if there's 10 seconds left, you know, it, it's I think it's sort of up to either him or Embiid to take that last shot. I'd rather have Tobias Harris take the last shot, depending, 
you know, on the matchup and things like that. So I think he's, he's going to be a pivotal piece in this NBA Finals run because I do think they can make it to the NBA Finals. They're a sleeper team. It's really tough to talk about the Sixers for me and not sound biased right. because I'm so high on them. And, you know, that's, I'm right. that's why we're having you on. Yeah, you know, so it's tough not to sound biased, but it, it really remains to be seen. You know, uh, I, I see why they did it. Um, if they didn't sign Tobias Harris, I think it would have looked as a huge failure for, El- for Elton Brands. So I think it was also an ego move in a way, too. You can't lose Tobias after you lost Jimmy Butler. Now what? You know, who you, if, what are you going to trail your assets? Is anybody else going to sign? So you sort of had to sign him. So I agree from that standpoint. And I still believe in him as a player. Um, let's shoot into the kind of last thing um, before this. So first off, I want to say when Miami traded for Jimmy Butler, it was a sign-in trade. I initially saw that Miami was going to get Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek. I saw they were going to get both. So for Philly, that would have been a huge deal now because Olenek means no Horford. Money or no money, I just think it means no Horford. It didn't work out like that. I like Richardson. He's good on defense. He has an okay three. And and we already talked about would you, would you have let Jimmy walk or whatever. But uh, Al Horford, who – Ironically, plays really well off the bench, not with Joel Embiid. Uh, the numbers, if you want to look them up, tell all about it. He, he plays so much better when they don't play together. And same with Embiid. They can't play together. It's just how it is. It's spacing. It's, it's size. It's ball in hand. It's all that. So um, if you could go back, would you sign Al Horford or would you just kind of say, we'll save this money? And in, again, in fairness, you talked about it. This free agency class was not good. And next year's free agency class was not good. Um, you can say Kawhi was a free agent, but I, I think he really was limited to two teams, maybe three if you include the Raptors. And then, uh, you know, Paul George was a trade, like all that kind of stuff. And then next year is supposed to be really bad for free agents until uh, Giannis goes to free agency. But mm-hmm. uh, would you have signed out Horford if you could go back? You know, uh, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because um, – I, I'm actually uploading a video. I probably should upload it today or tomorrow just about the NBA bubble and the effects it could have on free agency and, you know, um, guys in the bubble together, not really communicating with anybody outside the bubble. It could form the next super team, specifically Giannis, you know, if he goes to the Warriors or the Heat. But, you know, Joel Embiid is one of the most lovable guys in the NBA. You know, if he's talking to other guys sort of recruiting, quote unquote, recruiting guys to play with Philly. You know, I'm not sure if that's a possibility with Al Horford on the team with his payroll. So if I had to go back and I had to make a choice, Horford or no, I'm signing Al Horford. Hell yeah, let's do it. I am. Really? I believe. I believe in Al Horford. I I believe in. I I I was a huge proponent of signing Al Horford. I loved it. Now it didn't work out the way that we had all hoped and would have have liked it to work out. You know, but I was vouching for Al Horford. I love his game. He's a veteran. Uh, he's always been on good, really good teams. You know, he, he knows how to win. He not, never got to that NBA Finals, but he's just one of those guys you want on your team in your locker room. One last thing about the Horford thing. I don't want to say it was worth the money to say this was the signing, but you guys are lined up to play the Celtics in the first round. So you did kind of sign Horford away from Boston. And I know as a Cavs fan, he, he is trouble in all his own ways, both size uh, and scoring. But so let's go to Embiid and Simmons, okay? So you've said Ben's jumper. You've talked about it so many times. 
that's his biggest fault. He can't – I don't want to say he can't shoot because he's shown it here and there, but at this point I think if you just ask someone, no, he can't shoot. And then Embiid has diet issues, I guess, and he has uh, conditioning issues, like just little things like that. For me, on the outside looking in, I'm sure it's a little stressful as a Sixers fan to think, why won't Joel just do this? Why can't Ben just shoot more? Why can't he just figure it out? On the outside looking in, especially as bad as the Cavs are, I just don't care. If I have <laughs> those two good players, I would just be like – and I think Ben has alluded to this. I believe it's been in press conferences where people have kind of pestered him about a shot, and he's turned around and been like, hey, I made the All-Star game. Hey, I was all NBA, whatever. I had this many points. I took a huge – look. why do you care about my shot? When my numbers went up, my brand went up, I looked better, our team played good. Same with Joel, who I don't think would be as vocal about it. And I think he he takes the conditioning thing personally. Um, I remember that game where uh, Shaq and Chuck were kind of roasting him a little bit, and then he went out and kind of dominated. But, again, he got hurt later on, and, and that's just kind of where he's at. But for me, I, I don't know how hard you guys take it or how much you guys think about it. But <laughs> for me, I would just kind of be like, that's Ben Simmons. Like – how, how long did it take before people just didn't care about Giannis getting a shot anymore? People don't care. I don't understand. Like, I know Simmons is a little shorter, but, I mean, nobody's sitting there saying, why hasn't Giannis picked up a shot yet? I don't think people care. I don't know if Sixers fans feel that way about Ben and Joel, but um, for me, I would just say you have two really good players and they have their strengths, and that's where you guys sit. Yeah, um, people care. People definitely care in Philly. Yeah, so uh, that, that's that's probably the biggest thing. And like I said, I'm one of Ben Simmons' critics, but I love him so much because I think he can be up there. It's sort of similar if you listen to me talk about Carson Wentz, you know, and, you know, everyone points to his injuries. You know, um, I'm, I'm a harsh critic, but that's because I, I think the talent and the potential is there with Carson Wentz and, and Ben Simmons. Now, if Ben Simmons stays the same player that he is, that's just who he is. He's not going to shoot. We just have to accept it then we really have to look at our two stars and say, do we want to keep both and do they work together? You know, one can say that they did work last year, but that was with Jimmy Butler, who was sort of the guy, you know, and from a, a different fan base from the outside looking in, they, yeah, you know, you should just be happy with two superstars. You guys are in a great position for the next, you know, maybe half decade, depending on what happens, maybe even longer, you know, but in Philadelphia, it's not like that. Everybody points to a shot, including myself, because I think if Embiid and Ben Simmons are going to coexist, that's really what it comes down to. Everybody says it. Ben knows it. And his press conferences are so, are so funny. And I know the one that you were alluding to when he says, I was an all-star, so why you keep pestering me about my shot, you know? And um, that's just another, you know, gripe people have about Ben Simmons is sort of the mentality and right. sort of the desire and the will and things like that. But, you know, uh, I, I'm, still, I'm still with him. You know, I'm not giving up on Ben Simmons quite yet. You know, if, if you had to ask me to choose Ben Simmons or Embiid, I'm not going to answer that question. I can't. I, I, I'm just not going to, you know. <laughs> but because, I thought uh, that question. Yeah. So, um, obviously, I, I, I want them to coexist. And I think a lot will come to light in the NBA bubble. Now, with the Embiid and the diet thing, I don't know about any of that. You know, Embiid is – He's so playful and, you know, he's, he's so lovable on social media and things like that. If he has – if somebody sees him drinking a milkshake, all of a sudden he's out of shape. All of a sudden he has diet problems. You know, everybody's going to point to it. You know, so nobody really talks about that in Philly. You know, um, if you ask Philly fans whose team it is, I think everybody's going to point to Embiid. 
And I would probably agree with that at the moment, but I think it's going to slowly shift to Ben Simmons. But again, um, I think it's going to come down to the jump shot because if he does unlock it, then he's going to liberate himself and the team. And I'm very excited for that if that happens. Really good. Uh, We got Nick Nose with us. Let's shoot to Shake Milton, who was a two-way point guard last year. And then this year, it looks like going into the bubble, he's going to be your starting point guard for the Sixers. And uh, under his belt, really good shooting percentages from three. I believe it's in the 40s. But he hasn't started a ton of games, and he's just getting his minutes up. But, again, so impressive to be in the 40s. And then he does have a 38-point performance against the Clippers Mm -hmm. this season. Uh, Your thoughts on Shake, the idea of him, is this a desperation attempt or is this just a fun story to see this guy kind of rise up? Well, I think part of it, and I was talking to my buddy that I have season tickets with, are we thinking that this is just a Brett Brown, last ditch, try to save your job deal where he tries to switch something up? Um, The fact that he's putting Al Horford on the bench you know, I, I agree with that. Like we talked about before, Billy. And when it comes to Shake Milton, you know, a second-round pick out of SMU, he can shoot. You know, uh, the only thing I'm worried about is who's going to bring up the ball, you know. Yeah. Now, that's where Ben Simmons – that's where he shines when he facilitates and he's a playmaker and he gets the ball into the hands of the right person. He makes the right plays most of the time. So now that he's down low, you know, sort of in that four spot, you know uh, – are they going to run the offense through Ben Simmons in that four spot? Are they going to run it through Embiid at the five and just kind of have shake, bring up the ball and just sort of pass it off to Simmons. And then he sort of facilitates from there. That's sort of what I'm thinking, but I'm, I'm for, I'm, I'm for a, another shooter being on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, um, shake, he has a, he has a wide wingspan. I, I don't know if he, he might be second or third on the team in wingspan. So I, he's longer. Than, than he's obviously not as, as experienced as is a lot of these guys. You know, um, on the court, I think the guy with the most experience is going to be Josh Richardson, you know, if we're talking starting on it. But I like the move. You know, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm not really sure what to expect out of Shake Milton, what his role is going to be exactly. If it's going to be bring it up, dish it to Ben, let him take it from there. Or if they're going to let Shake sort of make the right calls and the, the plays. And I, I, don't, I really just can't see that. I think they're going to pass it off to Ben and then try to get Shake open for a couple shots. But I don't know if he's going to be a high-volume shooter, high-volume scorer. I think it's just sort of another shooter on the court to open things up for Embiid and Simmons down low, which I'm for. Absolutely. I think it's a cool story. And just how you talked about, I still think Ben's going to, especially in transition, I think off a rebound, I don't think they're even trying to get Shake the ball. I think it immediately goes Ben. Um, And then bringing it up, I mean, either way, if, if, if it really kills Ben's ego, I mean, he's been a point guard now for three years. So if it, it's really going to kill his ego, fine, let him take it up. But, I, I, you know, you like the idea of a guy that's going to space things for the Sixers a little bit. That's what Tobias was supposed to do off ball, and he can still do that. But I think it'll help again to have, uh, I mean, 40% is really good um, shooting-wise. Nick, thanks for jumping on here on the Glory Road podcast. Again, remember to subscribe on YouTube, guys, and follow on Spotify as we'll have weekly updates uh, on that. Nick, before you uh, log off here, you want to plug all your stuff. I know you got Instagram and TikTok. Appreciate it, Billy. Uh, Awesome podcast. You know, love talking with you. Love talking Sixers basketball. 
Uh, yeah. So for anybody uh, not too familiar, my TikTok handle is at Nick underscore knows. And the most common question I get is, do you know everything? And the answer is yes, I do. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's my handle at Nick knows. Now, uh, not, not as, um, my Instagram is, my last name is Krell, K-R-A-L-L-E, at Nick Krell. I'll post on my story mostly about uh, sports cards that I'm investing in, some players that I like, some tips, things like that. So most active on TikTok, at Nick underscore knows. Best sports page on TikTok. Agreed. I love it. Uh, make sure to follow Nick on TikTok and uh, his other stuff. I know your Instagram's connected on there, so all the updates I'll be on there again. Subscribe to the Glory Road podcast and Billy BB on YouTube and Spotify um, as the bubble is definitely coming up. Nick, one more time, thank you so much for jumping on, brother. Best of luck with the page and uh, your Sixers. And and I'm trying to get in on the Sixers train this year, but good luck. Uh, to you. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. It was fun.